March 4th. Mark chapter 11, verse 27, through chapter 12, verse 17. By this time, they, Jesus and his disciples, had arrived in Jerusalem again. As Jesus was walking through the temple area, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the other leaders came up to him. They demanded, By whose authority did you drive out the merchants from the temple? Who gave you such authority? I'll tell you who gave me authority to do these things. If you answer one question, Jesus replied, Did John's baptism come from heaven, or was it merely human? Answer me. They talked it over among themselves. If we say it was from heaven, he will ask why we didn't believe him. But do we dare say it was merely human? For they were afraid that the people would start a riot, since everyone thought that John was a prophet. So they finally replied, We don't know. And Jesus responded, Then I won't answer your question either. Then Jesus began telling them stories. A man planted a vineyard, built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and built a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers and moved to another country. At grape-picking time, he sent one of his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed the servant, beat him up, and sent him back empty-handed. The owner then sent another servant, but they beat him over the head and treated him shamefully. The next servant he sent was killed. Others who were sent were either beaten or killed, until there was only one left, his son, whom he loved dearly. The owner finally sent him, thinking, Surely they will respect my son. But the farmers said to one another, Here comes the heir to this estate. Let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him and murdered him, and threw his body out of the vineyard. What do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do? Jesus asked. I'll tell you. He will come and kill them all, and lease the vineyard to others. Didn't you ever read this in the Scriptures? The stone rejected by the builders has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous to see. The Jewish leaders wanted to arrest him for using this illustration because they realized he was pointing at them. They were the wicked farmers in his story, but they were afraid to touch him because of the crowds. So they left him and went away. The leaders sent some Pharisees and supporters of Herod to try to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. Teacher, these men said, we know how honest you are. You are impartial and don't play favorites. You sincerely teach the ways of God. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to the Roman government or not? Should we pay them, or should we not? Jesus saw through their hypocrisy and said, Whom are you trying to fool with your trick questions? Show me a Roman coin, and I'll tell you. When they handed it to him, he asked, Whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, Jesus said, Give to Caesar what belongs to him, but everything that belongs to God must be given to God. This reply completely amazed them. Psalm 47, verses 1 through 9 
If you prefer quiet, meditative worship, this psalm will challenge you, for it describes a praise celebration that involves hand clapping, shouting, and loud singing. The cause of this excitement is the greatness of Christ our King. If that doesn't excite you, what will? Hey, get excited about these things. One would be His great victory. See, we do not know what military victory the psalmist was celebrating here. But as believers today, we walk in Christ's spiritual victory. Like Joshua, we submit to our captain and trust him to win the battle. Now that is something to shout about. Something else to get excited about is his great throne. What a picture of the ascension of our Lord, returning to heaven and sitting at the right hand of God. Now Satan may be the God of this age, but Jesus is king of all the earth. And that is something to shout about. And another uh, thing to get excited about is his great reign. His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom today, but he still rules in the affairs of men. One day Christ will reign on earth, and his people shall reign with him. And that too is something to shout about. The call for self-denial teaches the pursuit of satisfaction in God. Mark 8, 34. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. But what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? The reason we have to take up our cross and deny ourselves is not because we're liable to have too much pleasure in God. So we need a little bit of of suffering thrown in. The reason we have to take up our cross and deny ourselves is because we are so liable to find our pleasures elsewhere. Not been a Christian for 64 years, and every day I must deny myself my bent to seek pleasure elsewhere. The corruption of the human heart does not need a conversion story out of drugs, it just needs to look in the mirror at age 70. Where would we be without self-denial? In love with the world, that's where we'd be. Suicidal pleasures, that's where we'd be. And you will never outgrow the need for that command. Die, Christian, every day. 
put to death what is earthly in you. And don't think you've given up Christian hedonism. It is all about joy. It's all about, oh, more of you, more of you, none of that. I'm not going to be killed by that. I don't care how good it feels. So, the teaching of Jesus about self-denial teaches you to pursue your joy where it is, not where it isn't. Flannery O'Connor, short story writer, novelist, the connection between self-denial and the quest for joy like this. Always you renounce a lesser good for a greater. The opposite is what sin is. Picture me with my ground teeth stalking joy, fully armed, for it is a highly dangerous Oh, is it ever? It may cost you your life. It may cost you everything in this world. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If someone offers you 80 years of pleasure in this world than eternal misery? You better hate your life in this world. <laughs> well, you're not a Christian hedonist. You're a fool. <laughs>